Okay. So I want you guys, and I was hoping I'd have a whole class of like 25. So if you don't participate, this is going to be the last shortest class you've ever seen. And I will warn you, I uh, worked for a chemical company for 30 years and retired, and then I taught for 10 years, computer engineering. And the first class I taught, I went in and asked a question of my students, and nobody answered. And I pulled a chair out and sat it down, and sat down and stared at everybody. And they all looked and go, you know, what's going on? And I said, I'm actually waiting for you to answer one of my questions. And I can outlast every one of you. There was at least a 70-second stare contest, which seemed like 70 years almost. It was just eternally long. And finally, the switch was made. All my students did that. He really wants us to answer. And they started being very involved. And, uh, and it set you know, my future with students uh, up real well. So please don't make me pull a chair and sit down or something crazy like that. I, I highly value your participation. Um, please know none of us are perfect. and All our answers are not going to be the perfect answer. And if you're not theologically super stellar and you can't pull you know, 25 character long names up and define them in great detail, that's not what stops you from salvation. That's not what gets you uh, glory to the Lord or appreciation or love for him. So don't hesitate to share um, your thoughts and, and, uh, as we look at the ninth commandment. By the way, I was supposed to do the eighth commandment. Somehow I was guided to do this. I looked up all the wrong stuff and started researching them and called Johnny and said, can we swap? And he was like, no, I really wanted to do this. I was like, ooh. I mean, I get any sleep at all or anything. I'm going to spend the next, I'm, I'm booked, and I'm going to spend that last night up the whole night doing it. And he said, okay, I'll, I'll swap. So, so next, next week he gets to teach what I was assigned to teach. Uh, but anyway, the ninth law is Exodus 20, 16. Uh, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. So this may be repetition. You may have answered this. I haven't observe this class or even listen to any of it, uh, primarily because it started off with a video and uh, it wasn't recorded for me to watch. Um, so I don't know if this is a repeat and uh, hopefully it'll be something uh, valuable enough that needs to be repeated. So why should we obey the, the laws of God? Let me tell you before you answer one reason not to obey the laws of God or one thing that is not a reason to obey the laws of God probably um, is to earn our salvation or our way to heaven. It's amazing to me how many people still think, you know, if I obey most of the laws of God or do a decent job or do better than my brother or whoever beside me, I'm assured of salvation. That is not true at all. It's crystal clear to all of us it's Christ alone for salvation and that he's the only one that is sinless. He's the only one that can pay that cost. So, you know, before we go, why should we obey the law? That's definitely not a reason, not a legitimate reason anyway. So give me some reasons that you think we should be obeying the laws of God. I mean, we're looking at the Ten Commandments, so... Because he is our God and we are his creatures. So he created us is another way to say that. And yes. because of the creation, he has authority over us. Yeah. I, 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 I'm not trying to put words in your mouth, but I'm just trying to expound. And I'd like for you guys, when you say something, 
not to hesitate to add to it. I mean, if you're like me, I'll just spit everything out perfectly every time. I, I go, ooh, I could have done better or added more things to it also. What, what other reasons can you guys give me? His law is for our good. Why is that? Uh, How, why do you know that? Because it says it somewhere in the Bible. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to argue with that answer, but... Uh, to expound on that, too, God's law is a reflection of his character, and we know that God's character is perfect in every attribute. So if he's perfectly yes. morally upright, then his laws are perfectly upright, which means they have to be good. Exactly where I really wanted us to go, and nothing that you said is not there. It's all, all. It's not just you. I mean, all of you have brought us exactly where I want us to go. The laws of God reveal Him. The laws of God show His very character, His core. Um, well, let me read some scripture just to. to answer this and we'll go into more detail because I, I, we're just touching the surface and I want to make sure we do this before we get specifically into the ninth commandment. Um, come on in and, and I just told everybody please participate or this is going to be the shortest thing around so and you don't have to have the perfect answer to anything. I, I uh, am not the perfect leader either so. Um, Alright so how about this? We should obey God's law because we love him and want to do what he commands. Why do we love God? Because he loves us. Yeah, not only that, but anyone who's, who's truly a Christian has been given a heart transplant. We were born enemies, or, and I almost can't say that word all of a sudden, enmity to the Lord, and until the heart transplant, we had no desire for him. And the people that we see around us that have not had that heart transplant should be no surprise to us their resistance to, to God. They don't have a heart for him and an understanding for him at all. So we have a love for God. Um, John 14, 15 says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. You don't know how many times when I'm praying I say, Lord, I love you greatly, and yes, I have not kept all your commandments, and I have to confess my daily sins. Um, I should tell you also in 1 Peter, uh, no, 1 John, sorry. In 1 John, it says clearly, so, so you don't feel so bad, all of us have sinned. You know, the Bible says all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. First John says we all sin, and if we say we haven't, we lie. Well, we're going to get into lying in great detail in this, this study today. So, um, before I go into more about what the laws of God reveal about him, what's the definition of sin? You can give me a super elaborate definition, or you can give me a short four or five sentence, or four or five word definition if you'd like. Right. So, short version would be breaking the law of God. Absolutely. So, it's a good reason we're studying the laws of God. I mean, now we have no excuse of ignorance for sure after we study all this. You know, can't say I didn't know. Not that it was a good excuse in the first place, but. Uh, 
So, you know, the question two down there, what, what do the laws of God reveal? That's what we're discussing. They reveal his very character, his very attributes. What is the number one attribute of God? The absolute best, best, best attribute. It seems like a true question. It's not. I'm being very sincere. I, I taught the uh, study of the attributes and in if you were in a men's group, that I, a senior men's group I was teaching that to, it was fabulous. Uh, just outstanding way to tremendous um, men for centuries that were written about that we studied in great detail, uh, the attributes of God. But the absolute number one is he is holy, holy, holy. No one else, nothing else is holy, holy, holy. Uh, we've been given some of his attributes and believe me, we don't exercise them in the same glorious way he does. I mean, but we have not been given all his attributes. I mean, you think about it, he's omnipotent, meaning he has all power. But we don't have all power over everything. He's all-knowing or omniscient. We don't know everything. Um, you know, this gets people when I say this, but he invented time. He is not bound by time in any way, shape, or form. The past, present, and the future are all with him right now. So when he promises something, it's not like us. I can promise one of my daughters I'm going to take you out to some special event that she's just chomping at the bit to go to and just can't wait to go there. And something can prevent me from being able to do that. My intentions may be great. I mean, but if I'm driving to pick her up and somebody crashes into me and I end up in the hospital... I couldn't do that. That never happens to the Lord. Never. When he promises something, it's a guarantee to happen. And we may not, the times people say, well, he's changed his mind. Well, no, he actually knew he was going to do that. And there are good reasons that he wanted you to, to accept him before he changed his mind. And you, if he told you, I'm going to change my mind, you would never have changed yours in the way he wanted him to. Um, the law tells us what God loves and also tells us what he despises. Um, this makes the, the laws um, the ultimate standard of righteousness. If you want to know what righteousness is, look at God's laws. It just tells you what he desires from us, both in the positive way and desires for us not to. And we're going to go into very great detail, I think, it's stunning detail when we study this today. First um, Peter 1, 14 through 16 says, As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. So we're getting ready to study what is the false witness. So tell me what you think the false witness is. Well, an example I think of is. Oh yeah, please. If you tell, if you define what a false witness is, give us an example too. That makes the definition more. Thank you. A false witness is not loving your neighbor, you're like hating your neighbor. And an example I have is if you're sharing prayer requests and you're like, I hear Bob's hitting the bottle pretty hard. Like, please pray for him. You're wrapping false witness in a veneer of righteousness, saying like, oh, I'm just praying for God. 
Like, no, you're not. You're slandering him in front of other people. Now, if Bob tells you I'm struggling with the bottle and you have my permission to share with people, that's one thing. But they're saying, I hear Bob needs our prayer right now because he's drinking. That's bearing false witness. That's so wicked. I have no disagreement with that at all. And so please, someone else, give me what you think it is. I just want to know what, what we think before we actually study this because I suspect some of us are going to have our eyes open to it's much more in-depth and more detailed than we think. Yeah, I definitely do. I think of the uh, truth would be the ultimate uh, desire to seek the truth. And then where, where you give witness to that would be like a testimony or I think of a witness in a courtroom setting um, so that as we bear witness or we give testimony, um, the presumption would be that that would be a true statement based on a testimony. Bearing false witness would then be potentially uh, or, or any sort of intentional falsehood from a perspective. So if somebody were to pray in a way that was implying something about somebody else, like you mentioned was an example of, of it's really a lie. It's like another way of saying lie. You're telling something that's not true based on what you know to be true. So if somebody knows the truth and intentionally misleads or or uh, Covers that up in any way by their testimony. They're very false witnesses. That's what I think. Of. Outstanding definition, by the way, and we're going to go into much more detail of several of the things you brought up. Um, I'm, I'm impressed with that answer. Um, and I like your testimony. Anybody that's ever testified in a court of law, and you've seen it on TV by tons, but it's definitely different when it's you. And you're putting your hand on the Bible and you're saying, I swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So help me God. Scripture's real clear on, you know, when we make vows uh, to the Lord. There are, that's serious. It's very serious. It doesn't get any more serious than that. So does anybody else want to say anything? I mean, it's, that was a lot covered, a lot more than I thought you guys were going to be able to do. Yeah, so, like, honestly, you were... Um, again, in the negative sense, where if you know, if you know, um, have a better understanding of the truth, but you don't say something, so you're not standing up for what is true, that is also um, encouraging, let's say, a lie to persist. Or in the way he defined, it's not revealing the truth. Yeah. It, it, same, same way, but I, I like the answers you guys are giving a lot. <sighs> So, if we go down and look at uh, Westminster Confession of Faith, the larger one. Uh, question 143, of course, is what is the ninth commandment? The ninth commandment is, thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. So question 144, here we go. If this is not more detailed than you expect, I'll be surprised. Uh, you know, unless you've read this multiple times. Uh, even, even though I read this years ago, it's still... Eye-opening for me. What are the duties required in the ninth commandment? The duties required in the ninth commandment are the persevering and promoting of truth between man and man. Please know, I know women's rights 
and equal rights have been around for a while. Um, Hebrews, when they say man initially, it includes women. So this is not just men, this is women also. Um, so let me back up and do that. The preserving and promoting of truth between man and man, and the good name of our neighbor as well as our own, appearing and standing for truth and from the heart, sincerely, freely, clearly, and fully speaking the truth and only the truth in matters of judgment and justice and in all other things whatsoever. So we kind of touched on the justice in the court of law. We touched on it if you're testifying for a judicial anything. Uh, even if you're not sworn in, it's still, um, by God, you're charged to do this truthfully. And it's not just that. It's in all things whatsoever. So we think we're, I'm not in a court of law. I can go talk the way I want to talk. Mm. Not necessarily true at all. All right, let me keep reading. A charitable esteem of our neighbors, loving, desiring, and rejoicing in their good name, souring for, and covering of their infirmities, freely acknowledging their gifts and graces, defending their innocency, a ready receiving of a good report and unwillingness to admit to an evil report concerning them. Discouraging tale-bearers, flatterers, and slanderers. Love and care of our own good name and defending it when, it needeth, when the need required. Keeping of lawful promises, studying and practicing of whatsoever things are true, honest, lovely, and of good report. Is that detailed or what? The one thing that probably we can do easier than all the rest, yeah, <laughs> he's not happy with what I'm saying. <laughs> uh, the one thing we probably do easier than all the rest is defending ourselves. I mean, it says, you know, it's not unright to defend yourself when you're wrongly uh, opposed. Yeah. That's probably the easier thing for us to do. Defending your neighbors. Or when someone comes to tell you bad things about them, if it's not with the intent of helping the neighbor, you shouldn't, shouldn't give them the opportunity to speak very long. Sounds like it's so easy to do, and it's not. I think this is extraordinarily difficult commandment. I will be very honest and tell you I have broken this commandment so many times it's not even funny. Broken it without even knowing that I've broken it on many occasions. And I see evidence of it being broken in our congregation. Yeah, I think the last two months have really shown us, like, our church, all of us, we need to do a better job of loving each other and honoring each other and not defending each other's good name. Wow, yeah. I, I like the comments. I'd like to hear more before we do what I think is even more in-depth uh, study of this when we go into what's forbidden. I mean, this is what we're supposed to do 
and then we're going to get better definition of what we're not supposed to do. And believe me, the not supposed to do is even tougher or harder or more challenging, if you want to say it that way, if you want to make it easier on yourself. What's your general thoughts of all this? I just noticed there's a, you know, there's the, the trend or when you read through the New Testament, especially in addition to the law, as you read through the Old Testament, it jumps out at you. But even in where where Paul lays out the, in Romans, especially in Romans eight, um, well, really, right at the beginning, what comes to mind is. Where Jesus in the gospel is saying, truly, truly, I say to you, truly, truly, I say to you. It's like everything he says, truly, truly. And you start to realize that why does he keep saying that? Why does, why is that so why does that matter so much? Like otherwise he could just say things and it would be taken as um, I don't know, I thought that was interesting. But then as you read Romans, and Paul says, I just pulled it up, Romans 9, chapter 1, I'm speaking the truth in Christ, I'm not lying. Conscious bears witness me in the Holy Spirit. So I think it's it gets back to where I think a lot of times you might be bearing false witness and not even realizing you're doing it. But it doesn't bear on the fact that it's still false witness. So it's kind of like this idea that I think of that truth transcends our understanding and in a lot of cases wow. and our maturity doesn't catch up with truth. So it's almost like this never-ending sanctification process that happens when you're constantly chasing the truth. And that search for the truth, I think, is what Paul's getting at so much, is I'm constantly wanting to bear witness to the truth. And he, obviously, as an apostle, does it, you know, the best. But it, it, it's, it's just, it, it makes me think of that's what we should strive for. Like, if you think about what is our striving supposed to be for, it's in most Cases or all cases in all walks of life, like the uh, or the confession uh, says, speaking the truth and only the truth that matters, judgment and justice. So it's not just in the court when you, I swear to tell the truth and nothing but the truth, but in all other things, it points that out in the confession because that's it matters. It matters because I think that was just the thought I had that truth is is so important to strive for, where grace abounds. You know, because of um, sin and what Christ has done for us, we have, we receive grace. And that's the, like the, the assuring and comforting part of it. And as we strive, we're going to come up short, but grace is what yeah, fills the gap. So I think there's this, we shouldn't, I personally, maybe I'm wrong, maybe there's some perspective you can get, but I, I kind of teach my kids and I think. Grace is what we need, but truth is what we go for. So it's like you go for the truth. Like when you're thinking it on a daily mindset, you don't think, oh, I'm just going to walk our... And at least maybe that's something. I, I don't disagree with that. Well, I would say the grace part, you need to add the other half of that. Yeah. Grace is not just what we need. It's what we need to be giving to others also. Yeah. I mean, if we're going to emulate God and try to lovingly follow him and his character and nature like we discussed in the beginning of all this. That's a major part of life. Yeah. I mean, if we're expecting everyone else to deal uh, gracefully with us and we think we, should, we can deal harshly, it's kind of like the 
let's see if I can do this right. The, uh, when money was handed out and the one person went and buried it and came back and said, you're so harsh, I, you know, I just buried it and, and saved it for you. That was not acceptable at all. Well, us receiving the grace, or the other one that took a loan, you know, and, and uh, couldn't repay it, and he begged the, the loan giver, uh, and the loan giver gave him, you know, I'll, I'll forgive you that, and then he went and ch- jumped all over somebody else who owed him a small amount of money, and when the, the, uh, the original loan giver found out, he put him in jail. Yeah, we don't, the Lord's gracious to us, we need to be very gracious to each other. So much easier said than done. Um, listen to my, hopefully all of y'all will listen hardly, to my very short, very definite um, pastoral prayer today I'm going to give. It goes right along with what you said, and I strongly agree with all of the, the things that you've said. Um, very, very impressive, all of this is. Um, any, I don't want to have just the same few people speaking, so the rest of you feel free to speak up. So I think everything you said would be like this bottle, but one thing that, that I kind of noticed was it doesn't say like just what you're speaking, it says in from the heart. And so it's important to remember that you can say all the right words in front of all the right people, but if it doesn't come from your heart, it's still not what it's asking for. Right. And, and you guys brought up another piece, uh, you did particularly. Um, if you have information and you know the truth and you don't stand up and speak for that, that's failure to abide by this. Um, I'll tell you, it's, it's challenging to stand up for truth um, when the response around you is the condescending looks and evil conversation that they don't want to hear that. They want to hear you support whatever their views are, even if they're not true. So if you stand up for truth, you're going to be perceived as offensive when it's actually the word of God that's offensive or the actions that God wants that's offensive and they're really taking more offense with him than they are you. It's... But anybody else before we jump into the what we should not do? Yeah. There's more time if we get done with what we should not do. We can always go back to parts of this if needed to be. All right, so if you flip the page over, um, the sins forbiddeth in the ninth commandment are all prejudicing the truth in the good name of our neighbors as well as our own, especially in public judicature, in other words, in judgments. Give false evidence, suborning false witnesses, what does that term mean? Suborning is what I just described, by the way. Let me define this and show this for you. You're the closest one. <laughs> I'm suborning. If <laughs> <laughs> you spoke truth to somebody and they're staring you, giving the ugly stare down, that is exactly what that word is defining. I mean, it's very hard to speak truth to somebody who's giving you the ugly suborning look and the twitching arms or whatever. Let me get back to where we were at. Wow. 
I've lost where we're at. Let me just start all over again. The sins forbidden in the ninth commandment are all prejudicing the truth in the good name of our neighbors as well as our own, especially in public judicature. I probably pronounced that wrong. Giving false evidence, suborning false witnesses, uh, wittingly appearing and pleading for an evil cause, outfacing and overbearing the truth, passing unjust sentences, calling evil good and good evil, rewarding the wicked according to the work of the righteous and the righteous according to the work of the wicked, forgery, concealing the truth, undue silence in a just cause, and holding our peace uh, when iniquity calleth for either a reproof from ourselves or a complaint to others, speaking the truth unseasonably or maliciously to a wrong end or perverting it to a wrong meaning, or in doubtful and equivocal, I just said that wrong, equivocal expressions to the prejudice of truth or justice, speaking untruth, lying, slandering, backbiting, detracting, tailbearing, whispering, scoffing, reviling, rash, harsh, and partial censoring misconstructing intentions, words, and actions. And then the reverse, flattering, vainglory boasting, thinking or speaking too highly or too meaningly of ourselves or others, denying the gifts and graces of God, aggravating smaller faults, hiding, excusing, or extenuating of sins when called to a free confession, unnecessarily discovering of infirmities, raising false rumors, receiving and countenancing evil reports, and stopping our ears against the just defense, evil suspicion, envying or grieving at the deserved credit of any, endeavoring or desiring to impair it, rejoicing in the disgrace and infamy, scornful contempt, fond, fond admiration, Breach of lawful promises, neglecting such things are of a good report and a practice, or not avoiding ourselves, or not hindering what we can in others, such things as pure and ill name. None of us are guilty of any of this. It's It, to me, is so easy to, I mean, let me back up. We said the main issue for this is the truth, and pursuing truth and um, standing strongly for truth. I mean, we're being told we need to speak the truth and not speak lies. But we're also being told if we know the truth and don't stand up and stand and speak for it, that's a sin also. Um, if we don't stop conversations or um, declarations of untruth, oh, here, I've got another copy you can hand. Oh, no, that's fine. I did grab one. Yeah. That's okay. No problem. You, you can have my copy. I, we're right at the, the end of this thing, but... 
There is so much here. I mean, it goes in opposite directions. Flattering people falsely is still untrue. It all is exactly as you define it. It's truth-based. This whole ninth commandment is basically thou shalt not lie, thou shalt not tell untruths. And, and it's defined in great extent. So once again, what do you guys have to say or think about all this? Can you explain fond admiration? Fond admiration would be if you're promoting a lie or a falsehood and I admire you for that. Yeah, that's the way I perceive it anyway. In the context of it. Right, right. It says perverting, uh, and I tried reading it through, but something like that, perverting it to a wrong meaning or in doubtful, equivocal expressions. Um, it, it seems what it's saying is like twisting someone's words or, or we'd say being an uncharitable listener. Would that apply as well? Absolutely. The, yeah, I mean, if we're pursuing truth, and we're perverting the real truth to mean something other than what's true, that's definitely, it's definitely wrong. Uh, the sad thing is, uh, there are courses and classes and life experiences that teach us how to be very effective at that. If you've been sinned against in some of these ways, it stings. And the bad thing is, that potentially trains you to be able to do that sometimes. And that's the absolute wrong thing for us to do. This is so challenging. We will never accomplish obeying this, this particular law without uh, the grace of God, without help from him, without recognizing and, and asking, Lord, show me, help me. Uh, it's, it's just, like I said, I was directed to do this even though I was supposed to do a different lesson because it hits home for me so hard it's not even funny. And I'm hoping it's hitting home very hard for all of y'all. Yeah, we're all... You know, I opened part of the thing at the start of this was I said... One of God's attributes is he's holy, holy, holy. We're not. Um, even in any holiness we have, it's not complete or full holiness by a long shot. And there are some things that we do that are good and righteous. We do speak truth and we do stand up for righteousness on, on many occasions. But I tell you, I have not done it uh, 100% of the time. I would say much less than that. Uh, it's very easy to walk away and say, you know, I, I, I didn't get involved in this and, and I didn't do anything wrong. Well, if you knew the truth and didn't reveal it, you did something wrong. In this uh, <clears throat> speaking the truth unseasonably, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that's an interesting concept. I. I mean, it's true, so I looked up the reference. Uh, it's Proverbs. Let me see here. It's Proverbs 29. A fool gives full vent to his spirit, but a wise man quietly holds it back. 
Uh, and there are times, you know, I think some people believe, you know, I need to correct instantly and with full force. Uh, and I recently had a situation with uh, a family member who needed correction in the moment, but just given the uh, context and some of the anger that was boiling, I refrained from doing that. And then I was mad at myself for not doing it, and then I had a friend encourage me and remind me of this, that that was the wise thing to do in the moment, because you know a fool is gonna continue to get full vent, Proverbs 15, uh, gentle an answer turns away wrath. Uh, so I think that's one aspect of it, is realizing that there are times where we have to hold our tongue and then come back around to speak that truth. And then also, if we just think, um, in the, and I know that it's not directly referencing this, but in the seasoning aspect, you know, uh, we are to be salt and light. And uh, sometimes we take truth and we just dump out the whole can of salt at one time on a person. And, you know, that is a way, um, but proper seasoning of salt and giving it in grace and truth when we're speaking truth uh, to our neighbor. Realizing that there are appropriate amounts of seasoning, uh, and again, it's so contextual and dependent upon that. But um, yeah, just a couple of thoughts about that. Yeah, I, I strongly appreciate that. Um, yeah, we're supposed to stand up strongly for truth, but we're still supposed to be godly in the way we do that. Um, humbly, not. I'm so proud that I know the truth, and I'm the one that you can count on. That is just wrong, wrong, wrong. It's Truth, what is the intent of truth? It's pursuing righteousness. It's pursuing God's righteousness, not just righteousness. And if you're not doing that, then you're sending one of the other commandments also, I'm sure. This commandment to me is much harder and much more in-depth than most people get. I mean, they, they look at that and go, uh, I'm just not supposed to lie. But the, the, the depth of it is, I don't know how to say that. It's kind of like if you've ever been skin diving and you got tanks and the best the tanks will take you is about 150 foot deep. And you better have twin tanks because you're not going to have any air when you get that deep. Even with twin tanks, you probably have 10 minutes at the most. Not that I would know what I'm talking about. My stepdad was a scuba instructor for special forces. And I did lots of diving and loved every minute of it. Every minute that wasn't uh, dangerous or had some problem. But uh, I have thoroughly enjoyed the conversation from you all, the uh, insights that you have shared, and, and uh, encourage you to, to share more if you'd like. We have a few more minutes. Um, I, how does this strike you? Does this change... Um, your views and do you think this will impact your future at all? Just the study of this. You know, you know, when we do ABF and we do all these studies, whoever's teaching is always, whoever's teaching anything, because like I said, I was a teacher for 10 years, sits there and goes, did I reach my, my students? Did they learn anything? And how well did they do it? And uh, I would come home and my wife would go, man, you're exhausted. And I said, it's not physical, it's mental. 
because I'm straining to teach to each person the way that they receive best, and people don't learn the same. There are five core ways that people learn. Some people like audible, they like to be talked to. Some people have to see things, they like the big vision and screen. Some people have to touch everything. Um, so when we, I taught computer engineering, we tore computers apart and, and fixed them, or when we build them from scratch, that was those people went crazy. Yes, we're doing everything, we're doing it all. Uh, I had to modify the way I was teaching based on who the audience is. So I don't agree with the way school systems are trying to teach now. Um, you may not know that, but school systems, uh, public school systems in most states want you to be able to take a student out of third grade at one school and move them to another school in the same state and they shouldn't be able to tell any difference. Well, that is so wrong because all those students in those classes are different and you teach based on who your students are. You don't just teach material in one way only. It's all. Go ahead. I came a little later. Are, are you guys on uh, discussing question 145? Mm -hmm. well, we, I think we're at this point. Right now. Oh, Right. We have, we've gone all the way through 145 <laughs> and, and uh, we had some I would say uh, outstanding conversation uh, in the beginning about you know, if you back up and look, you know, we're sitting here studying the laws of God. Why should we obey the laws of God? Especially if you do this, I'm, I'm guaranteed salvation. So if I sin, what? I'm still saved. Oh, this is just so wrong, you know. But but we had great discussion. Um, and define what sin is. I thought we did a really good job, but if you break it down really quick, it's just breaking the laws of God. So why should we be studying the laws of God, and why should this impact us? Yeah. This one, like a lot of the, I guess like all of the other commandments, um, they, there's so much more kind of tucked in there than you might expect. And one part that uh, spoke to me, um, farther down in the 145 answer, The, word, the phrase aggravating smaller faults, so being being a fault finder, and then the phrase unnecessary discovery of infirmities. It might be easy. It might be easy to think. Well, in order to, uh, in order to keep or be be faithful according to this commandment, um, I have to tell the truth uh, all the time, no matter the consequences, which is sort of true. But there's also, I like, I like how question 145 explores that a little bit more, saying that that doesn't give you license to, uh, to be a fault finder. Um, it, it should be, it's, a lot of that should be turned internally instead of externally. Yeah, you missed a good section of the conversation we had about, you know, we're supposed to stand up for justice and truth, mm -hmm. and, but we're supposed to do that in a godly way. What's the intent of it when you're standing up for justice and truth? You know, what, why are you doing that? To honor God. Well, to honor God, number one. Are you doing it to try to assist or help the person whose faults and their concepts or beliefs? Even if they don't value or appreciate that and they hate you for a while, sometimes they come around. Eventually, I've literally had someone come years later to go, it had to happen to me before I realized I was wrong. And I apologized formally, and I was like, wow, that was a big surprise. I mean, I almost forgot about it. You know? 
Um, um, I want to back up again and say is this study, not just this particular class, but the, the study of the law altogether changing you guys in any way or helping you or improving your future walk with the Lord? Well, it's been a good reminder of how far I fall short and how much I need Jesus and his righteousness. And probably a good reminder too how much this church falls short or how much I should be praying for Jesus' work among my brothers and sisters. I don't know about you guys, but studying the law removes my hand from my back. There is no tapping myself and saying, what a good job you're doing. <laughs> I mean, you look at what the Lord is and what Christ is and has done. We're so small. The things that we're upset or concerned about or, yeah. or you're going to hear when I, when I probably minuscule the word I would use by comparison. So I, I will tell you, this, this study hit me really hard and, and uh, told me you have lots of room to improve and change. So I'm hoping strongly that it's done the same for hopefully all of you, but at least some of you for sure. If speaking, not, I haven't done a very good job. Speaking of Christ, he, you know, he, he keeps this commitment as well. And he bears true witness of, of us before the Father. Uh, and I in reading the question earlier, rewarding the wicked according to the work of the righteous, well, that's sort of what uh, salvation does, is it rewards wicked people according to the work of the righteous. Of Christ, but, right. But what's hidden, what salvation does at first is it makes the wicked righteous, and then it rewards them according to the work of the righteous. Um, so by giving us his righteousness, he can then bear true witness about us to the Father. Uh, that we are that we are in right standing before the Father, um, and I, I were just reading that a few minutes ago. Uh, rewarding the righteous according to the work of the wicked. Well, that's what happened to Christ. He took the punishment. He took the, the deserved reward of the wicked, but he he became sin. So his situation is different than how it's being described here. Because right. He, he well. became sin. He who knew no sin became sin. Um, but that actually made me think of how uh, we all feel this sense of injustice when, hey, hey I didn't do that wrong. They, they did that, but we get, you know, might get lumped in together in the military. Sometimes it's called mass punishment. There's like a deep sense of, this isn't right. Um, Believe me, it's everywhere. Yeah. You go to the school, one, one student does something, the whole class pays a price for it. Right, sometimes. yeah, exactly. No, no recess for you or no fun times or... Recess, by the way, was something I never heard of until we moved here. The states I moved to, we had PE and all these other things. We came out here, we're going to recess. What is that? I mean, I was in the sixth grade, and I was like, what is recess? And basically, we go do what we want to do and play. And I was like, and some kids would play marbles, and some would play baseball. You know, And I was like, wow, recess. That's kind of fun, you know, actually. Um, yeah, you, several of you came in and missed in the very beginning when I said, why should we obey the law? Well, the reason we should obey the law is because we love God. And then we talked about why do we love God? And if you weren't here, we love God because he gave us a heart for him. 
So when we're studying the law, what are we getting? We're getting his, an understanding of him, core beliefs of him, what his, what he, well, they reveal his very character and attributes as we discussed. They also reveal what he loves and what he despises. And since he is the creator of all, he has the rights, and we discussed this too, and it wasn't just me doing all the talking. Uh, he has the rights to punish and that punishment can be eternal. Um, please don't think that salvation, uh, we have that talk too, that you earn your salvation. No, Christ is the only one that does. So um, you know, you're not risking your salvation uh, every sin you do. There is only one on forgiving sin. But yeah, Johnny, you missed a lot of conversation to get to where we're at. And that's, I just wanted to, yes, sir. Oh, no, you can finish. Oh, you raised your finger. And I well, just... wait, whenever you're done. Oh, that's okay. Go ahead. Um, yeah, I think, why should we also, another thing you may have talked about this again, this late comers party, please don't count. <laughs> but um, <laughs> they, this is the best way uh, for humans to flourish as well. So the law promotes human flourishing, um, and only God knows in, in what ways we best flourish uh, and can flourish and so when we obey the law we are living wholly as humans not as incompletely as humans uh, were designed to, to live and so that's another aspect of it and yeah. so you're thinking about the ninth commandment as well I think this is the only commandment that uh, very directly deals with the issue and the idea of and I'm reminded of James 3, uh, well known to many of us. And I'll read a few of the verses here. Uh, 3 7, starting, For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no human can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of from the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. So, yeah, the ninth commandment, you know, because when I read through these things too, I'm like, yep, that's me. I need to confess for that and that and that. And just how, how regular it is on a daily basis, um, you know, our motives. Um, so, anyway, those are a couple of, you know, just thoughts that came to me. Yeah, you, you nailed right on. I was going to do a partial summary at the tail end of this, so I'll do that now because it includes some of what he just said. Oh, I, I just have one comment. Oh, please, go ahead. Um, I think one way we can help ourselves not bear false witness against each other is to dwell on what Paul says in Philippians 4 8, where he says, Find me, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is loving, whatever is commendable. If there is any excellence, there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. For instance, in this journal, every time I'm thankful for something, I write down the person and what I'm thankful for. I'm sure that once I'm home from church today, there'll be more things to write down. And I never write down the list of faults in people. So if I'm only dwelling on the way God has been good to me through people, I think I'm going to be much less likely to bear false witness against them because I'm like, this person has only done good to me. I only remember the good. And I think we need to remember the good 
that our brothers and sisters do and forget the sin. I think it's harder to be harsh towards someone if you realize what the other people being harsh towards you is like. It's hard to deal inappropriately to others if you you know, if you evaluate when you've been dealt inappropriately with. Um, I was going to summarize, and it's not necessarily that I'm going to close with this, but we're definitely going to close with prayer and we're running out of time. Um, partial summary, I was going to say that basically the following is addressed in everything we just studied. Gossip, slander, partial truths, inappropriate sharing of, of private information, and unhealthy use of the tongue in general. Some member of my church shared that with me before I even did this in detail. So, yeah, it's definitely truth-based and it definitely addresses the use of the tongue. What does the tongue do? Basically reveal what's in the heart, in the mind, in the thoughts. Wow. So if you found this challenging and hard, I'm glad because I found it very challenging and hard. And it means that my future is going to be constant battle trying to obey these laws. I could close in prayer, but I'd love it if one of y'all would, would someone volunteer to do that. We, the bell's going to ring in like two minutes, and I'd like to beat the bell once. <laughs> no volunteers? Okay. Well, I actually got three, so, yeah. Oh, you were cooking. Ah! He's early. He's a minute early. Dear Father, thanks for letting us gather together this morning. Thank you for letting us hear the message that Steve has to you. Share with us a pray, Lord, that you would, that you would write your law on the table of our hearts, Lord, and pray that these would be things that we will do and that we seek to follow. Lord, I know that we all stand and fall short, and we will continue to do so, Lord. I pray that we would strive for truth, and that we would strive to obey your law, that we would strive to love you better, and doing so, obeying you better. Lord, I pray that you would go into this sermon with open hearts and ears that we would seek you out and that we would seek to love you and to obey your word. And all that we do, I pray these things in Jesus' name.